They didn't realize we were seeds. They didn't realize you were seeds. They open doors so others can walk through them. Your legacy is every life you have ever touched. I'm Stella Sagliari, and this is Salt the Podcast. Welcome to Salt the Podcast. My guest today is Laurie Nash a single mom to her beautiful son, Casper, and the founder of Aska Creative, a content marketing and copywriting business for creative entrepreneurs and coaches. In 2020, Laurie began her journey towards a diagnosis for bipolar after 10 years of trying to face mental health alone. In today's episode, we will speak about Laurie's mental health journey, the stigma around mental illness, medication, mental illness, and motherhood. With this episode, which won't be the last one on mental health, we want to fight the stigma of mental illness by featuring Laurie's story on being bipolar. She will share her experiences, discuss treatment and symptoms, and debunk some stereotypes and myths. And I'm very happy that Laurie is here with us today. Welcome, Laurie. Welcome to Solve the Podcast. I'm very happy that you're here with us today. Hi, uh, thank you so much for having me. It's honestly an honor to be a part of SALT. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm Laurie, I'm 29 and I live in the UK, South East London, born and raised. Um, I live here with my six-year-old son, Casper, who is my absolute everything. I also uh, run a business, so I am a copywriter and content marketer for other businesses, creative businesses, coaches, and I support them with social media, email marketing, and website copy to boost their online presence. Um, I am an avid writer. I absolutely love writing. I'm a feminist and a mental health advocate, and I'm currently going through a diagnosis for bipolar. Yes, thank you so much, Laurie, for the introduction. And I actually worked with Laurie. That's how we met. When I started with SALT, she helped me with my social media. She taught me many wonderful things. So we have been connected ever since. And today, um, Laurie is here on SALT because we want to talk um, about mental health. And uh, with today's episode, actually, which won't be the last on mental health, I want to fight together with Laurie and other guests the stigma of mental illness. And today we want to feature Laurie's story on being, having bipolar or going through a diagnosis of, of bipolar. And Laurie will share her experiences with us. She will discuss treatment and symptoms and also debunk some stereotypes and myths around mental illness. And for me, it's, it's, it's really an honor that Laurie is here with us today and that she took the courage to share her story, um, which... She did in October 2021 for the first time publicly on, on your Instagram profile. You actually wrote, I was afraid to tell this story, but this story is important because I want to be part of breaking the stigma so people like me don't have to feel so alone. And what you were referring to, as I already said, is your mental health journey, which you agreed to share with us today on SALT. 
And I want you just to start telling us what you want to share. I don't want to come with any question. And while you're sharing, I will ask you some questions. Yeah. So it's it's a very long story. So I've been struggling with mental health that I've known for about 10 years now. So when I was 18, I was first diagnosed with depression. And then from there, I didn't really get much support. So I kind of went through it all alone until I had my son. Um, then after I had my son, I was struggling with postpartum depression. And from postpartum depression, I was at this point, I was too scared to reach out to anyone. I didn't, I was terrified that if anyone knew, they'd take my son away from me. So I went through that alone again. And that was probably one of the hardest periods of my life doing that. And that resulted as well in the breakdown of my relationship with my son's father. So I am a single mother. And then again, from there, fast forward to 2020 um, with the lockdown and being locked away inside just me and my son for three months straight. That was a horrendous period of time with the lack of social connections and the lack of very much anything um and then that's when I started showing symptoms of bipolar um I'd have the manic episodes and the very very low moods and that was when I reached out to a therapist and I had CBT therapy which is cognitive behavioral therapy to try and help me cope with anxiety and depression and it was actually that therapist and my mum that thought this was something more than than anxiety and depression and it was my moods were fluctuating so much that bipolar was mentioned and then my therapist forwarded me to my doctor who then passed me over to mental health specialists and I started working with a psychiatrist uh, around September last year and now I'm currently going through the diagnosis for bipolar and trialing treatment and trying to find the right right treatment to move forward. So it's been a very, very long journey. Yes. And and you said, because maybe not everybody knows um, a definition around bipolar, because I know there are like four main types and um, you already said it, you have these ma manic phases, but you also have the very low phases. Could you explain a little bit uh, to us what is bipolar and how does it manifest itself? Like what happens to you when you are in the low phase? What happens to you when you are in the very energetic phase, let's say? So bipolar, it's most people just see it as mood swings, but it's not just mood swings. It's the extreme mood swings. So there, with the different types, as you said, there's about four. Um, the ones that I know of are bipolar one, bipolar 2 and cyclothymia um, so cyclothymia for the most part can go undetected um, so that's quite a mild sort of case of bipolar bipolar one is has more severe symptoms such as the hallucinations psychosis and things like that and bipolar 2 has still has the manic mania and the low moods but They more define it without ha not having the um, psychosis and the hallucinations. So it's very similar to bipolar one, just without the psychosis side of it. Um, that's what I am aware of. I'm still learning all about it myself. But 
for me, I don't, I haven't been given a type as it's not something in the UK that we generally do. So with my bipolar, my experiences is I will have such extreme highs where I will be so energetic and I'll be spending money I don't have on things I don't need. Oh, um, during lockdown specifically, I would redecorate my house over and over again if I didn't like the colour of the wall. That same day, I'd need to change it. I'd rip up carpets. I'd want to be out all the time and doing things all the time and I can't sit down. And if I'm sitting down, I get really irritable. I get really stressed and I get really anxious. Um, so I have to be up and I have to be moving about. And then my low moods, which generally come after, um, they're not wanting to do anything at all. I don't want to get out of bed. I have really low self-esteem. I talk down to myself a lot. I feel worthless and I cry a lot. Um, And there's also manic depressive episodes that I do experience occasionally. These aren't as regular as the others, but it's when I'm very, very depressed, but I'm also feeling manic and they tend to result in panic attacks and crying on the floor, calling up my family. I need them. I need someone with me. I can't be alone. Um, yeah, so it's really difficult with such up and down mood swings. And I know there's there's generally periods of time you can either have them a few episodes a year, so like once or twice, three times maybe, or there's the rapid cycling. So mine's rapid cycling. So it's in line with my menstrual cycle. So when I'm due on, I'll get really, really manic. I have the hypermanic, hyper not manic, hypermanic episodes. And then once I'm on, I'll go straight into a low depressive mood. And then I'll have about a week of normalcy. And then the manic episodes will start to happen again. So it's really, and that's probably one of the reasons as well why for most of my life, I've been told that it is mostly hormones that are causing me to feel the way I do. Thank you, Laurie, for sharing this with us, for being so honest and being so vulnerable. And um, yeah, it's kind of sad because I always say mental health is a feminist issue and what you just described, especially at the end for me, again um emphasizes that because women i mean we as women have been for way too long dismissed as too emotional hysterical crazy hormonal um yeah too much not enough and i really feel now the time is up you know we we really have to um yeah dismiss those myths and those um horrible stereotypes that have existed forever. And um, yeah, your case really exemplifies this. And I'm really happy that, that you speak about it because I think many people need to hear this, people who are probably experiencing similar things to the things that you're experiencing. And Laurie, you said at the beginning that when your son was born, you went through postpartum depression and you did this mostly alone because you were scared that they would take away your son. What about your support system? Who has been there for you? Because I know you're very close to your parents. Yeah, who has been who has been there for you over these years? And um, what are maybe some of the beautiful gestures that you've received that, that have supported you and helped you in this journey? And how do you talk with your son about um, your mental health issues? 
So my support system is is my parents and my boyfriend. So they've been really, really good. I have got friends as well who supported me um, through it and they're there for me to talk to when I need them. Um, my parents, have, there are days where I can't be mum. There are days where I'm either, I'm so low, especially during a manic depressive episode, I can't function properly. So my parents do look after my son for me during those episodes and they help me they'll either stay here or we'll stay there and they've supported me and my boyfriend's always there as well he's either on the other end of the phone or he'll make sure he's always making sure I'm okay and um my son as well when I'm in a low he'll he'll be there and he'll remind me everything's okay and he loves me and he he really does help me quite a lot for so such young an age. It's do you, do you, have you talked to him about it? Does he understand what's happening with mommy in, in those moments? How much have you included him in, into that? Because he's six. It's really difficult to find a way to include him where it's still age appropriate, but not not hiding too much. So I, when I'm feeling low, I will tell him. I'll say, "Mummy's just a little bit sad." Mummy's feeling down today and I'll apologize to him and I'll just say I'll feel better tomorrow and he'll he'll be there and he'll look after me and I kind of it's difficult because I don't want him to grow up thinking he has to look after me I want him to I don't want him to lose his childhood so he ha where he's caring for me so it's difficult finding the balance um, with the mania, the hypermania. He he loves that because I always get him involved and he, he wants to be a part of it. And we have a lot of fun. So that side of it's good. It's just more the low moods and the hypermanic, the manic depressive episodes um, that are the most difficult. And it's he knows that I take medication to help make mommy feel better. He knows that. He just doesn't quite understand that it's it's an illness a mental illness he's not kind of grasped that yet but as he gets older I'll go into it more with him on a deeper level and I think the most important thing for me is that he knows from now that no matter how he's feeling he can talk about it and he can be open about it and he can talk to me about it as well so the best way to do that is by doing that myself with him that's what I feel yes you shared with me and, and I have to say I really Yeah, I, I really respect, admire you for this, that you said, I want him to know because you said, if, if I don't tell him, then I feel like we have this kind of okay, silence in the house. There are certain things we just don't talk about. And then you also don't open the door for him to tell you things maybe in the future, whatever that is. And also the other thing that you said, that you don't want him to feel that he needs to kind of yeah retrieve himself or take care of you and is not able to express his emotions. And I think you trying to navigate through this plus your mental health is, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very beautiful that, that you think like this and you approach it like this. Thank you. Yes, Laurie. And you said it, you say you are now on medication and I feel like this is another thing that many people don't talk about or have like these very extreme reactions like oh, she's taking um, antidepressive medicine or don't tell anybody that I'm taking these pills you know I do have uh, two close friends that um, one has depression and the other one uh, is bipolar but 
I think she must have bipolar one because she also has psychosis. So I've lived certain things with them. And um, we also spoke about the stigma around medication. And one of them told me, I'm not going to feel bad about it anymore. These pills help me a lot. And I don't want to be ashamed of it, you know. So how is it for you? Do you feel that the pills have helped you? The medication is, is helping you because you're still in this kind of trial error phase to see, okay, what works best for me? It is. So at the moment, the medication I'm on is the best medication I've tried so far. Um, it's it's completely, I've not had a hypermanic episode for a few months now, but I have had uh, the low moods. It's just easier for me to pull myself out of them so that I don't spiral deeper and deeper, which can then trigger the manic depressive episodes. So the medication, it has been really good for me it's quite difficult because I completely understand as well about the stigma I had it the other day I went to the doctors about something else and they were just generally asking what else I'm taking and um, it wasn't a doctor that knew me so when I told them the medication and they didn't know what it was I had to say they're antipsychotics and I could feel myself getting embarrassed by it and it's They've helped me so much, but I'm still getting embarrassed by it because society has such a, yeah, there is such a big stigma around medication and mental health in general. And it's, I've just kind of got comfortable talking about the diagnosis and mm. being bipolar. And now I'm trying to get over the stigma around taking the medication to make me better. And it's, it's, it's difficult once to navigate. Yes, it's a lot. Mm. Yes. And is there a memory in your life that you cannot forget that you feel like it had a huge impact on, on your mental health journey? Was there something that you feel like it triggered it or that you feel like, oh, that was the first time when I felt like, oh, something is happening to me right now? Um, the first memory that I really have is when I was 11, when my nan died and it completely It was the first death that I'd ever experienced and it was, it took its toll. It was the first time I'd ever seen my dad cry. It was the first mm -hmm. anything like that had happened. And I remember it changing the dynamic of the family massively. It had a huge impact on the family as a whole and things kind of changed forever from then. And um. I remember from that point, that was when I suddenly became really shy. I became really nervous and scared and anxious of things in the world around me. And that's the kind of the first experience of anxiety and fear of life that I remember. Did you express it to anybody or did you keep it to yourself? No, I don't. It, it wasn't until hindsight that I kind of, when I was thinking about it, But I realized that was the turning point for me. It wasn't at the time, it was shortly after. And I remember my mum always saying that there was a point in life where, because I used to be really bubbly, outgoing, I was the adventurous one, always wanted to go out and do things and was really excitable. I remember my mum saying that there was a point where I just, everything changed and I went into my shell and I stopped being bubbly and outgoing. And it was around that time that that happened hmm. what do you expect from society I don't know if, ex if I want to use the word expect actually but what is something that has to change that you wish from people when it comes to mental health 
there needs to be a lot more compassion yeah. and be people need to learn more and take the time to research more about mental health and specifically more severe cases of mental health that can result in hospitalization because I think there is so much fear about around surrounding the idea of mental health itself let alone going through it people are afraid to accept it people are afraid to because I think people are so afraid to understand that the world's not the way they see it and it's it's difficult for people to accept that things like this do happen so I think a lot of people need to do a lot more research and try and be more understanding and one of the big ones is seeing people who suffer with mental health as weak because we are not weak we are strong we are so so strong to go through what we do and still be able to get up every day and even those who can't and do get to a point where they can't go on they're so strong they're still strong and I think if a lot more people listened and heard us and tried to understand then there would be a lot less suicides and feeling so alone yes and both of my friends have have shared especially the last part that you said with me as well and now because of what you said how do you feel with the with the medical system are you happy with now that you've been kind of diagnosed are you happy with how things are going or do you still feel it's it's everything is extremely medical i think i'm grateful that i've got the diagnosis and i'm going going through it all and i'm getting the medication and i'm getting the right treatment and it kind of It has helped me learn to love and accept myself more because before I didn't know what was wrong and I well, there's nothing wrong, but I thought there was something wrong with me. I'm not normal. I'm not this. I'm not that. Um, so it has having the name put to it and the symptoms and everything aligning, it kind of, it's made it easier to accept myself for who I am as someone with bipolar. Um But I do think there is a lot more that needs to be done medically. I think that doctors need to listen more and help people get the diagnosis and treatment. But it's it's a catch-22 because it's quite difficult where the NHS here in the UK is so under pressure. Their funds being cut, they're short-staffed. It's, it's very, very difficult, especially in the mental health sector. There's everyone is trying you've got people trying to get diagnosed you've got the doctors trying to support you but you haven't got the funds and the facilities to do it so it's it's very difficult at the moment mm. and you also maybe we didn't say say it before um during the pandemic you actually in one of the the manic phases if i understood it correctly You decided to leave your old job because you spent, I think, 10 years in, in the retail sector, right? And, yeah. And then you decided to go into copywriting, social media, um, consultancy. And how was it? I mean, yeah, maybe the, I have two questions there. Of course, the new, the new beginning, let's say, professionally speaking, which then, of course, brought many new beginnings. Uh, 
to you. But how were the 10 years before um, your employer was aware of it? How was it for you to, to work, feeling low, feeling high, not knowing what was going on, being a single mother? Um, it's a lot. Mm. Oh, it was it was very difficult. In the in the it's kind of when I believed it was just depression or was told it was just hormones and things like that, I kind of had to just pick myself back up and carry on. And um while I was working in my previous job, I didn't have the diagnosis I have now. So it was kind of it was very difficult specifically towards the end. Um when things started to reopen after lockdown and I'd gone through this mental health crisis during and it was trying to adjust and I, it was very difficult and I couldn't I couldn't cope I did struggle a lot and then during one of my manic episodes hypermanic episodes I did have the idea to start my business and that was actually during lockdown as well um so when I did go back I was trying to manage running a business whilst going back full-time Uh, part-time whilst being a single mom whilst going through a mental health I don't know how I did it honestly I really don't um but then in the end I did I did leave my job last year and I took my business full-time which was a little bit less pressure <laughs> but yeah I got there I did it I'm still here still going yes and Just a side note, it's wonderful working with Laurie. I, I told you already many times, the moment I met you, I felt such a strong connection and you kind of made my heart melt. I don't know. I, I had this very yeah, sensitive spot for you, which is still the case. And um, it was wonderful uh, working with you. And I, I had no idea what you were going through. Um, yeah. Yes, until you you wrote it one day on your Instagram. That's when you went public with it. Yes, and I was like, wow, I had no idea. Yes. You already said, Laurie, that your son Casper is so special to you. What is motherhood for you? What does it mean to you? Oh, motherhood for me is everything. It's the reason I get up every morning. It's the reason that I'm determined to continue this healing journey and continue to get better and do my best to be the best mom I can despite everything and prove to him that if ever he ever goes through anything like this or there's anything he wants to talk about and can't I want him to be able to open up but I also want him to know that despite having mental health issues and this is for everyone out there as well who feels like they're suffering you can do anything you set your mind to your mental health will not hold you back you have just as much capability as anyone else and I want him to see that too and grow up knowing that he can do whatever he wants to do and be good at it no matter how he's feeling in that moment and yeah I think motherhood for me it's just it's been everything it's it's my reason for everything Beautiful. Yeah, and I think you're also showing your child that there's no shame asking for help, you know. But um, I think that's also really important. Maybe now I'm talking more based on my own experiences. But you can ask for help, like your parents, the doctors, even that, that you develop this relationship with him. We help each other, you know. I think this is also really beautiful. And just adding to what you just said based on, on what you shared with me. Um, and Laurie, during this time, has there been 
a book or maybe more than one book that had an impact on you that um, was part of your journey and that you would like others to read as well or that you would like to recommend? I think The Alchemist is definitely one of my absolute favourites by Paolo Coelho. He's, um, that was one of the only books to ever make me laugh while I was sitting on the train. It made me laugh really loudly um, right at the end. I loved the idea of searching for everything, searching, going on a long journey to find what you're looking for. But it's already where you were to begin with and you're the only one with the power to find it. I love that idea and that that made me smile a lot. Um, and then there's The Enchanted by Renee Denfield. And it's so beautifully written. It's a wonderful book. Uh, it's about inmate on death row and how he sees the world through his eyes and what's going on around him and the people around him as well. And it dives into a little bit of a backstory too. And it's one of those books that it's very difficult to read, but it's one that stays with you forever. And I love the way it kind of shows the hope and love can be found in the darkest of places at the most darkest of times. And it's it's a book that stayed with me for a very, very long time. Thank you. I have read The Alchemist, not The Enchanted. So I I, I want to uh yeah, I want to have a look after what you've just shared with us. And Laurie, who has been your soul? So my parents and my son have been my soul. They've been there through everything. And I'm very, very lucky to have such a solid support system who has helped me so much through everything. And they've never expected anything from me. They've just always been there. And that's very important to me. Beautiful. Very beautiful. And to whom would you like to pass the salt and what do you have to say? I'll pass the salt to my son so that he he knows that he can do anything and because he's so that he knows that he can have a voice and our generation can pave the way for the younger generations to be able to speak up and be heard and be respected in their voice as well. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I always say, I mean, I already see it that the generation now demands, they, they don't negotiate so much anymore. Like, yeah, and I just hope this will continue this way. And Laurie, what about people who um, have a similar journey to yours or maybe who are just now listening and they're alone and they've never talked to anybody about it? They have bad thoughts, um, like negative thoughts for themselves. That, that That's what I mean. Or who have just opened up or who are going through a diagnosis, is there something that you would like to, sh to say to them, to share with them? I think it would be to not be afraid and to know that this doesn't change who you are as a person. You're still amazing. You're still worthy. You're still wanted and you're important to this world and you're needed and that it's okay to ask for help and to push and push for help. And that it, it will be okay and you can find the right treatment and you can find the right support. Thank you for saying that. And what is your question for me? Now you can ask me something. I asked so many things. <laughs> My question for you is what is the most beautiful part about salt for you? Meeting people like you. 
Yes. I, I've met and I'm still meeting amazing people through SALT. Um, people that I that I didn't know, people I never imagined I would meet or I would talk to. And I'm learning so much um, from all of you. And I feel really honored that, yeah, sometimes I just like I how I wrote you or even people that I don't know, I write them, hey, would you like to speak on salt? And then I get a message, yeah, sure, let's do it. Let's talk. And 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 then we talk and I'm learning so much. And um then I get messages from others telling me this episode really touched me, or this episode really made me make a decision and leave this person or leave this job, um, or connecting people with each other, you know. Um and then salt has also made me more vulnerable. It has also been part of my home, my own healing journey. And a friend actually a few months ago made this really clear to me when she sent me a message. And she says, do you know that by the guests that you're choosing, the topics you are discussing, you are showing us your own healing journey? And I thought, yeah, she's right. She's absolutely right. And also... Um, of course, I'm asking a lot of questions, but I want my guests also to ask me questions because I want to try that there's not, not some kind of power imbalance. You know, I don't want to get everything out of you and then I'm not sharing nothing. So I've had also questions where I became very vulnerable because I grew up in a way of we don't share, we don't trust, um, this is shameful, don't tell anybody, you know, and through salt. I've become much more open and much more comfortable with my own struggles, with my own journey, with my own stories, you know, and, and sharing them has again, as, as an effect connected me more with people and even with my own friends, because I was always the one in the group that people would trust. They would call for a problem, share their stories. I'm a very good listener and I love listening and I love, I love people. I love connecting with people, hearing their stories, but I wasn't really sharing much myself. And then, through salt, I think I became much more vulnerable. And then, of course, some of my friends would hear things on the episode, but also in conversations. And that has also changed my relationship with my friends. We've become much, much closer. And um, I've also gotten rid of a lot of shame and guilt that I was carrying because I'm like, you know, you're sitting here and you're talking about your journey and with confidence, with power, you know, and you, you you are not ashamed, you are not hiding anymore, you're not anymore in the darkness, you know, you are stepping into the light, sharing it, you're not ashamed, and you, you want to break the stigma and you want to open the way for others to also speak, you know. And yeah, this this has been really the beauty about salt, and um, yeah, I love it, I, I enjoy it a lot. So yeah, thank you for this question, which I have never been asked before. That's okay. <laughs> no, I know. I find even just talking now, it's it's feeling very healing for me. I can feel feel myself a weight being lifted off my shoulders. I feel a lot more confident talking about it just from this conversation. I'm so happy to hear that. This is nice. This is beautiful, and I actually, this is a very nice. Um, how do you say? Um, oh, now I missed the word. This is a very nice. Uh, not move. Anyway, this is a smooth way to go to my beloved Audrey Lord, who is the woman of today that I want to honor. I most of the time honor a woman at the end of the podcast. Today, I want to honor Audrey Lord. I've honored her before, but um, I will honor her again today and probably again and again because I love her. She's amazing. Um, 
He was an American writer, poet, essayist, feminist, womanist, librarian, a civil rights activist. She died way too young from breast cancer. And throughout her life and her career, she spoke about this idea of a collective identity. And what she meant with that is not um, that we are just one thing. She did not only identify herself with one category, but she wanted to celebrate all the parts of herself equally. And she described herself as Black, as a mother, as a lesbian, as a warrior, as a poet. And she said, if I didn't define myself for myself, I would be crunched into other people's fantasies for me and eaten alive. And many times people, I will take an hour because it's our topic today, are just defined by their men mental health uh, illness. Oh, this is the one that she is schizophrenic or and it's only this you know but no we are so much more we are so many things you're Laurie you're a mother you're a friend you're a lover you're a girlfriend you're a daughter you are a content creator a copywriter you are a 29 year old who lives in the UK you're so many things and we are so many things we're not just one thing and it's also so important and that's for me what you did today what Audrey Lord says you define yourself for yourself and by speaking out and by sharing your story, you're not allowing others to crunch you and to put a label on you because you know, um, yeah, you know who you are. And I find this, um, this wonderful. And I have a quote actually from her. It's a bit of a longer quote. Um, I, I want to read it out. And she says, I was going to die sooner or later whether or not I had even spoken myself. My silences had not protected me. Your silences will not protect you. What are the words you do not yet have? What are the tyrannies you swallow day by day and attempt to make your own until you will sicken and die of them still in silence? We have been socialized to respect fear more than our own need for language. I began to ask each time, What's the worst that could happen to me if I tell this truth? Unlike women in other countries, our breaking silence is unlikely to have us jailed, disappeared, or run off the road at night. Our speaking out will irritate some people, get us called bitchy or hypersensitive, and disrupt some dinner parties. And then our speaking out will permit other women to speak until laws are changed and lives are saved and the world is altered forever. Next time ask, what's the worst that will happen? Then push yourself a little further than you dare. Once you start to speak, people will yell at you. They will interrupt you, put you down and suggest it's personal and the world will not end. And the speaking will get easier and easier and you will find you have fallen in love with your own vision, which you may have never realized you had. And at last, you will know with surpassing certainty that only one thing is more frightening than speaking your truth, and that is not speaking. And today, you spoke. And I'm very proud of you, Laurie. No, you can be very proud of yourself for what you did today. It has been wonderful, and I want to thank you for this. Thank you so much. That means, means the world to me. Thank you. Yes. And I want to... Yeah, I want to thank you for sharing your story. And I'm sure that today you validated many people's feelings. You made them feel less alone. 
and you took the shame and the fear away of people by talking about having or being bipolar or going through a diagnosis um, or any other mental health illness. And you did this openly. And for me, it's remarkable. And I want to also thank everybody for listening. And if you want to reach out to Laurie to connect with her, I'm sure Laurie will be happy to, to connect. But I also want to say that, of course, the podcast today or a personal conversation with Laurie is not a substitute for talking to a qualified professional. So if someone who's listening today feels the need to do so, it's important to take the step. And please spread today's episode because as stated at the beginning, time is up. No more shaming, no more stigma, no more judging, no more dismissing of mental illness. So thank you so, so much, Laurie. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Something that is loved is never lost. I'm Stella Sagliari and this is Salt the Podcast. Salt the Podcast. Salt the Podcast.